Good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Sheila Speaks, a podcast that's been designed to educate, empower, uplift, and just really impact the quality of your life. Today we have another extraordinary attorney. It's attorney Cheryl Burke. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? I'm great, Sheila. Thank you. Good. All right. Well, I'm going to share a little bit about Cheryl Burke as an attorney. She's been practicing law here in the Atlanta metro area for over 20 years. She started her career as an insurance adjuster. Shortly after that, she went to law school and practiced corporate law. Uh, when she came to Atlanta in 1995, she opened up her law firm. All right. Listen, entrepreneurs, with just $250. Since then, the law office of Cheryl Burke has evolved immensely, and her mission and values remain the same. She is committed to justice and ensuring that people are treated fairly. In addition, Cheryl is a member of the State Bar of Georgia, the American Bar Association of Trial Lawyers, Georgia Trial Lawyers Association, and the State Bar of California. So welcome, again, Cheryl Burke, Attorney Cheryl Burke, welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing to be with us today. Thank you, Sheila. All right, you're welcome. So I want to- by, by the way, it's so great to be with you. Oh, thank you so much. It really is, it's my privilege. Um, so Cheryl, I wanted to start with, what had you want to go into personal injury law? like be a personal injury attorney? Well, there were a couple of things, but I think the, the, the moment in time when I said, this is what I want to do was when I found myself, I was a victim of a crime at 12 years old and I was uh, in court and had to testify over a period of a couple of days. And it was one of the worst experiences, almost like a nightmare of my life. And I, I really thought, uh, had the lawyer prepared me more and, and walked me through the process and educated me on what was happening, I thought that that process could have been a whole lot different. And I wouldn't have had that traumatic experience through the legal system. So for me, I was a victim twice. I was a victim as a victim of the crime and I was a victim of the system itself. And I just, I didn't want that to happen to any girls like me. So Cheryl, that was really great what you said. And having said what you said about preparation, how do you prepare, uh, how do you prepare your cases when someone's been in an accident? What are some of the steps you take? Well, there are two, you know, there are two tracks in the personal injury case, okay? There's uh -huh. There's the non-litigation track when you have a client, you know they don't wanna go through years and years of litigation, you know they want to uh, get their treatment and move on. And then there are the people that you, you have to litigate, meaning you, you've gotta go down to Fulton County or Cobb County or wherever the uh, jurisdiction is and you've gotta go file the case. So if I'm say just a typical case, in a typical case you're not filing. 
in that kind of case, what I do to prepare is first of all, interview. That's, that's the beginning of any case in terms of a lawyer is the intake. And that's an interview whereby uh, we spend some time with you, 15, 20 minutes, sometimes it's 30 minutes. I've been in those interviews an hour uh, where I'm sitting down and I'm asking you basic questions about the case. What happened? Where were you? Where were you going? What were you doing? Were you on your cell phone? Were you moving? Were you standing still? And I'm trying to figure out in that interview uh, whether liability is clear. Because the first thing in a personal injury case, if, if the liability is not clear, in other words, if you are partially at fault, it's going to, one, diminish the value of your case, or you may not even be able to get compensated. So that's the first thing I want to know, because I operate on a contingency, meaning that I'm working, I'm not getting paid anything. I get paid out of what I collect. I get paid a, a percentage of what I get from the insurance company. So I want to make sure, if I take your case, I want to make sure I can take care of you. And also, that's how we earn our living. That's how we exist as a law firm. Great. That's really great. Well said. And so now, you know, there was the way we operated before COVID, where when you've been in an accident, you immediately call 911, et cetera. And then that there's now the way we are operating now, post-COVID or during COVID, where the police aren't necessarily going to come. So what should a person do? What should a person do? Yeah, it's really funny because we're finding that the police are going to some scenes and some scenes they're not. And like, there are certain cases where, and you can't make a claim without a police report. Like most policies in Georgia have a clause that say, if you're making an uninsured motorist case, which means if you hit, somebody hits you and they don't have insurance in Georgia, you can't make a claim unless you file a police report. Well, you should say that again and make that really clear for people. Cause I was, I didn't know that. So now that they don't all, the police don't already come, are you saying that if there's a person who's not insured and there's no police claim, I mean, police report, then you don't have a case? Is that what you're saying? In Georgia, okay, when you buy insurance, you're not automatically insured for everything that happens, okay? Yeah for most things but some things have what we call a condition okay and the condition for collecting uninsured motorists there are a couple of requirements the main requirement is that you need a police report so if you hit somebody says you're sitting at a light somebody rear ends you hits you in the back and then they go around you and take off that's called an uninsured motorist case because you can't find that person well, in order to make a case, one of the number one requirements is a police report. So that means the police have to come to the scene, draw up what happened, say where you were, and take your statement, put it in a report. Now, the issue now is that in a lot of counties, the police, particularly Atlanta, they're not coming out to the scene. So what do you do? The answer is, you know, quite frankly, I don't know yet because this is all new for us. 
They just stopped this, I don't know, a month or so ago. So we have this influx of cases wherein people have had accidents and no police report. And it's sad because I have a couple of cases where people don't have any information. Yeah, I was about to say, would it be then that you take the information, you take a picture of the car, do you exchange insurance? I mean, this is really important. Yes. So, you know, in the face of not being able to comply with that uh, requirement, I think there's probably going to be something, you know, that that's issued from the from the government or the governor to, to address this. But in the meantime, here's here's the main thing you should do. The main thing. Call the police department, call 911 and you know all the 911 calls are recorded. Hello, ma'am. I just had an accident. I'm at Briarcliff and Pennsylvania Road. It's two o'clock and Billy back here hit me from the rear and I'm hurt. Okay, never say you're not hurt because you don't know. <laughs> I mean, it is true. Yeah, I mean, you don't this know. is really important because a lot of times you may not feel it until the next a day or two. Exactly, exactly. So if they say, "Are you hurt?" No, I don't know. You don't know. I mean, how many times have you fallen down or hurt yourself and you don't even realize you're hurt until, like you said, two days later? And you're like, "Oh my God, my back is hurting." So yeah, you don't you don't want to say you're not hurt. Hello, and try to give as much information as possible. Hey, I'm looking at, uh, I'm sitting here with my, in my car. Uh, he's, he's got a yellow Camaro and the license plate number. I, I would try to get everything I could on that recording. Wow. Yeah. And then after I did that, I would get my telephone and go to work. I would get the rear, not just like the little um, dent or the big dent or whatever it is stand back and get different angles of the car and especially oh if this is the main thing if there's a lane change you better get out of that car immediately and get the position of the cars in the street because that's one of the most difficult cases to prove two two cases are a uh, red light green light you know they turn in the he said she said contest and uh, I'd say 80% of the time people say, no, I had the light. They know they ran the light, but they say, no, I had the light. Yeah. So th th that's difficult to document. In that case, if somebody comes up to you, you want to say, ma'am, please, or sir, can I get your number in case I needed uh, an, um, a witness for my accident? Always, 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 pre-COVID, post-COVID, anytime, Always try to get as much information as you can, particularly with witnesses or people who walk up to the car. Ask them, hey, did you see anything? It's all, yes. you got to be your own advocate. You got to be your yeah. investigator now. Used to be you just have an accident, sit back, wait for the police. Now, no. You got to be. You got to be thinking. Yeah. Now, if you're really, really, really hurt, bad, uh, and you can talk, you know, try to see if you could get a relative or somebody to come to the scene or try to see if, the, if you can get a card from somebody who's a witness that way. But mainly, yeah, you can get a picture of a, a license plate, the registration, 
the insurance card because they're supposed to have that information in their car. So they should be able to give it to you. Okay, that's really useful information to those of us who are listening. And for those of you who are listening from all over the world and Washington, D.C. or Seattle or California, some of the laws may be different and it's useful for you to get familiar with what's required in your state or your country or your area. All right, it's really, really useful information. So one of the other things that um, I heard you speak about, and you guys, those of you who are listeners, this is our second conversation regarding you know, personal injury. We got so much feedback, and I thought it would be useful to have another conversation from another attorney. Um, what, uh, how long do you treat? Let's say you have been hurt. I mean, I've been, I've been hit physically by a car. And um, unfortunately, I was so hurt that I didn't get to give a statement. And the driver, I mean, you would have thought the whole thing was my fault. You know, broke my leg in three places, was out for six months, and I was hit physically. It was not pretty. So, um, thank God I'm alive, really. So uh how you know how long do you treat yeah so how long do you treat your question is how long do you treat after you've been injured in an accident well it varies because it depends on the injury say if you have a what we call soft tissue injury and i should identify what we mean by that because soft tissue means you know you're hurt you're you feel it you're in pain But when they take an x-ray or they take an MRI, they see nothing. Typically, that's like, that's a lot. That's a big percentage of cases. Wow. You are more hurt for yourself, but when objectively, when they look at what they call evidence, it's not there. Fortunately, in personal injury law, that doesn't preclude you from from having a claim. You can still have a claim, even if the evidence shows you're not injured. Because what you have to say about how you feel and what's hurting has a value. And then if your doctor can, can objectively say, yes, that person's hurt, then you can have a case. You can have a claim. Wow. Yeah. So let me make sure I'm answering your question. So in terms of treatment, say if it's a, that kind of injury, soft tissue, then you're probably talking about anywhere from four to eight weeks, six weeks more than likely. And what we do is if you're, if we have a case and you've been treating for six weeks and you're still in pain, what we want you to do is follow up with another doctor. Because if a doctor can't really get you, move you from A to B in six weeks, then you might need to see another specialist. So we generally Say if you're going to a chiropractor or a physical therapist, we want to move that case over to an orthopedic or orthopedic surgeon at that point. And in the meantime, get some more uh, x-rays, get some more MRIs to figure out what is actually happening. You know, accidents can be life-changing. Like it could be, I had uh, an accident and my, like my life was this way before the accident and then my life is another way. I mean, I've had people who are marathon runners 
and after after their accident could no longer run. I mean, they could run, but definitely not marathons. That's a life-changing event. And yes. that's something that may not even show up on an x-ray. It's not going to show up on the x-ray and say, okay, well, Sheila, you're not going to be able to run marathons. No. You need a doctor to say you can't do that anymore. So that's why it's important to get to those doctors and get your case documented. Even if you, some people, oh, I don't know, I don't want to pursue a case. I don't, I feel guilty. I don't know if that's the thing to do. It doesn't matter. Even if you don't think you're going to pursue it, go to the doctor anyway, because I'll give you an example. When I first started practicing law, I had a case. Guy had a broken foot and he didn't really want to make a claim. He didn't know he had a broken foot. Six months later, he's like, I you know, still have this feeling in my foot. Something's not right. He goes to the doctor, and they, die, they say, you have a broken foot. Do you know what? His case was denied. He got zero because they said, oh, well, you know, you waited six months, so we're not going to pay you anything. And what attorneys take a case when there's nothing, no report or anything for six months you could have gotten hurt on the basketball court. Yeah. So it's important to go to the doctor. Wow, that is true. So this is amazing. So I have another question for you. I want to talk a little bit about slip and fall accidents. You know, what yes. happens when you slip and fall? You're in a restaurant or you're in the parking lot of McDonald's or, you know, you're in someone's home even and you hurt yourself? Um, so what happens in terms of uh, you making a case when you slip and fall yes. somebody? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those, those, in, those cases are uh, also known as premises liability cases, and it's a specific type of personal injury case. Uh -huh. And you, uh, every state is different in terms of what you have to prove, but generally when you slip on somebody else's property, you have to show that there was some kind of dangerous condition, okay? It, like, I've had people call me and they said, you know, I fell. Well, what happened? Do you know what, oh, I don't know, I just fell. I don't know, I, I'm not sure. Well, that's a problem, okay? So you have to be able to show that there was a dangerous condition, like the carpet was torn, uh, the lighting was really poor, I couldn't see, it was dark. Um, so you, you have to generally, and, and that's just in almost in every state, you have to be able to show that. And the other thing you have to be able to show is that, you know, it was someone else's fault. Like, so if it's your, if it was your fault, you're, you're not going to be able to make a claim against that person. Now, in, in the insurance policies, they do have something called uh, medical coverage for premises, different premises, and uh, companies have what you call um, medical coverage, and they may pay for your bill, but they may not pay for your pain and suffering if you're at fault. Um, another thing you have to establish in slip and fall cases is that the owner knew of the condition or knew of the dangerous condition. So you got to show that they created it, they created the condition, and they knew about it. You know, just say, for instance, that you had like a, a hole in the, you know, somewhere in, in the store where there was some water that maybe caused 
a, a, a hole somewhere. And then there was say, I mean, I've had cases like this where it's like two or three inches um, a gap at some point in, in the concrete or around the store. So we've been able to prove, hey, you knew about that and you did nothing. So you got to be able to prove that they knew something about it. So that, that's kind of what you need for a slip and fall. And of course, in every single case, um, you need to show that you had damages. So you got to show an injury. Right. And then um, how soon after you've been in an accident should you contact an attorney? Well, I, I'd say the sooner the better. Because the first thing, when you contact an insurance company, the first thing that they're going to ask you for is a recorded statement. And that's where some people make mistakes because they say things that are later used against them. So I think it's better if you're going to make a claim, call a lawyer immediately. Even if you don't hire the lawyer, call a law office. You can generally get some pretty good uh, directions as to how to proceed. Even if you are not ready to hire a lawyer, at least call and just get some initial advice. All right, great. This has been awesome. And uh, one of the things I always ask, what is it that you love about being an attorney? Oh, boy. I think it's such a privilege to be, you know, we're lawyers, we're officers of the court. And so I feel like I'm a representative of what's possible, mm. representative of, um, of fairness. I, I represent that you can be treated fairly. You can get what you deserve. You can fight for what's right. And... I think that's that's what I love. I I grew up seeing a lot of injustices, unfairness, and um, when I was growing up, a lot of things that happened, people would just shrug off because people said, you know, I don't have time to be dealing with that, or it's not going to matter anyway. And one of my most fulfilling moments as a lawyer is seeing that when things happen to you, you don't have to suck it up. You yeah. can actually hold people responsible and accountable for what they do. It's not like it's wrong. It's just the law that you're, you do something and you're at fault. You're not a bad person. You just have to be responsible for putting people back into the place where they were before you injured them or, you know, before the negligence. That's all. Awesome. And uh, Cheryl Burke, what does a person do to contact you as a personal injury attorney? How can you be reached? Go to Ask Burke Law. You can fill out a form, ask us questions there. We have a frequently asked, we have some great frequently asked questions. Uh, so if you have any questions, you can get your questions answered there. Or you can call us, uh, Cheryl Burke Law or Ask Burke Law. You can call us at 404-842-7838, 842-7838. Great. And is there anything else in closing uh, that you want to impart to us and the listeners? Oh, let's see. Uh, these are some challenging times right now. And um, for some people, they're going to be the best of times. There are some people who've made a ton of money already. I know some of them. 
And there are some people who stood by and there's people who are standing by now waiting for things to get better. You know, my advice to everybody is don't wait for anything. You know, there's never, who said there's a right time? When I started my practice, I had to borrow money to, to uh, I had to borrow money for stationery from a friend I work with. You know, he's the one who loaned me the $250. I had nothing. I had lost everything. I was involved in a big real estate crash in California. I lost everything, including my car. It was repossessed. I had zero. And if I looked at what you should do to start a practice, I would have never started it to start a business. They say, oh, you need seven months. Of, you need a, what are they called? <laughs> fun. You need a blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, half the businesses that are around today would never start if you had to do that. So I'd say, look, don't stand on the sidelines of COVID. You know, get out there and, and um, start businesses. There are many businesses. I think businesses, I think Disney, there are a bunch of businesses that started during depressions and recessions that are, that we would be shocked if we knew how many, but I think that that's the deal, you know, to get out and do the, do what you were sent here to do. I think that makes a better world, don't you? I think that makes a world that works when people are empowered to do what they want to do, regardless of who's, who's in office or not in office or who's saying you can or can't, it's up to you. Beautiful. What a great way to close. What a great way to end this conversation. Attorney Cheryl Burke, thank you so much. We so appreciate you being here. And to our listeners, thank you for listening. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Sheila. You're welcome.